0: You're listening to SDS Podcast. We pray that this message will encourage you and give you hope throughout this week. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. It's good to see you all this morning. How many of you in here just graduated high school? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. How many of you that, and I know we have a lot of others that are not here, did you receive some letters and some encouraging notes and cards and maybe... And all of you probably have experienced this for your birthday or some kind of accomplishment. You probably received some type of letter or a card and maybe, just maybe, a little check in there, a little gift card, something like that. That kind of, uh, you might have said, that's pretty cool. And, but in that card, in that letter, whatever it might have been, more than likely, you were encouraged by whoever it was that sent you that card. I personally... Have If you ever send me a card or if you ever hand me a card, a note of encouragement, I always keep it. I have boxes over the years of where students have given me a letter or a card or thank you for coming to something that I keep. And you might go, hoarder, what are you doing? But I love to take those cards out occasionally and look at them. When I get down or discouraged, to pull that out and to read that note, it's very encouraging. And more than likely you've done something like that. Maybe you keep cards that people anybody keep cards that people send to them? Yeah. Yeah. Even when you send me a Christmas card with your really nice family photos and stuff like that. I've got shoe boxes of those things that I keep. And I can remember when some of y'all were really little, okay? And able to pull them out and go, oh, that's really cool. It's really cool to see how family grows, how an individual grows. But I want to ask you, how many of you have received a really, really encouraging letter recently or a a card to encourage anybody outside of the graduates? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. All of us more than likely recently have received something. Might have been a few months ago, a few weeks ago, whatever. But you know that that letter or that text, listen, I know that we live in a world today where people text each other and stuff like that. Um, But whatever it might be, It might have been that you pulled that out maybe to read it again, or you thought about it, or you thought they said something in there that really, really encouraged you, and it meant a lot to you. And one of the things that I brought this morning, uh, girls, I don't know if you know this, but with dudes, we keep our valuable things in shoe boxes. Girls have pretty boxes or whatever that they might store stuff in, but for me, I've always put... My valuable things in a shoebox. And what's in this shoebox, I wanted to just tell you this morning these are letters that my wife, the box is full of them, but my wife wrote me when we were dating. There was a thing back during the day, Megan, do you remember this writing letters to Ryan and Ryan writing you back? When I met Monica, she was a senior in college when we first started dating, and there were no cell phones. There were no, obviously, no texting, no social media, none of that. And we wrote what is called this thing called a letter. And I would, she was in Dahlonega, I lived in Conyers, and I could not wait when I got this from Dahlonega, Georgia, and I would see three pages of what, or two and a half pages of letter. And I would read this letter, and this was a letter that she had written while she was actually sitting in an English class. Should have been paying attention, but she's writing me a letter on November 12, 1990. And she's telling me all about her class, how boring it is, and how excited it was to see me during the weekend. And how she was talking about how her girlfriends knew that she had been with me because she just was talking a mile a minute. She couldn't shut up. She was acting goofy. And then she says in the letter, you see what you do to me? You, 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 know, you affect me that way. And we were just kind of goofy and weird when we, when we dated. But the thing that I looked forward to all the time was, I mean, she would send me a little I miss you card with a teddy bear on it, whatever. All of those type things. And I would keep them. Now, as a dude, you might go, dude, I wouldn't do that. I'd throw that thing away after I read it or whatever. Not me, man. I'd pull it out, and I would read it, look at it. And so one of the things that I, in sharing that this morning with you, wanted to say is this. All of us have received something like that that has really encouraged you and has meant a lot to you. And this morning, what I want to briefly look at this morning is talking about a book of letters. I have a collection of letters in this box and many others at home. And I'm able to pull this letter out any time and say, look, either to myself or to somebody else, this is how much this girl loved me. She told me. She told me all kind of things about what she enjoyed about me. And I did the same thing with her. She, she's kept letters that I've sent her. But in those letters... We declared our love for one another and encouraged one another. But I want to talk about this morning a collection of letters that we all have that a lot of times, in yours truly, so I'm speaking to me, not just you, we can neglect, we can forget about. These collections of letters can sit on the shelf and not be looked at for a while. And maybe occasionally we might go and look at it or bring it or look at the letters from time to time, read a few things out of it. But my encouragement to you this morning is to understand and think about the fact that we have the greatest love letters that have ever been written to God's people. And this morning we're going to be looking at, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to be looking at Luke, and there will be a couple other verses we're going to look at. But Luke chapter 24, I'll just bring you up to speed. Jesus, this was right after the resurrection. A couple of guys, people have gone to the tomb to see that he's not there. There's a lot of excitement. A couple of people walking on the road, and this is starting in verse 13. If you've got your Bibles, chapter 24, verse 13. And it says this, it says that the very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now again, remember, this is right after the resurrection. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And as Jesus walked along the road with these guys and was talking with them, on down in the verse, it says in verse 25, and it says, he's talking to them a little bit, explaining about some things, about what's been going on, what they should have understood. And he says to them, "Oh, foolish ones, he says, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And check this out. It says, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus, we know when we looked at the scripture, as far as not only did he know scripture, he used scripture. And he was telling them about himself and that he didn't have the New Testament. He had the Old Testament. And he was pointing to the fact that the Old Testament, the prophets were talking about him, pointing to him. And he, in this conversation with them, is helping them to understand. We also see in Matthew 4 when the enemy comes to him, when Satan comes to him to tempt him, what does Jesus use to deal with the enemy? He uses God's Word. He loved his Father, and he loved the Word. And Jesus, something that was very important to him was spending time with the Father and spending time in the Word. We see that he went out preaching and teaching, and, and throughout the Gospels, we see that. As far as Jesus did a lot of teaching, he knew the Word, and he wanted people to understand it, to love it, to cherish it. Just as he also wanted them to love Him and cherish Him. But the thing that I want you to think about is this, is that in our time with the Lord, and I I have to be honest with you, I wish I could say that I was in the Word every day for a long period of time. But can I ask this question? How many of us would say that daily we're really, really busy? All of us, right? All of us. And I I wish I could say that the first thing I do in the morning is get into the Word. There are some mornings that I do do that. But there are some mornings that I am in such a hurry to get out the door and to get where I am, I don't find time to spend time with the Lord. And I'm ashamed to say that. I'm not saying that's every morning. But there are some mornings when things in my life, where they seem to take more precedent than spending time with the Lord. And I will honestly tell you this. My days when I don't spend time in God's Word like I feel like I should, I can tell it. I can. Anybody ever experience that? Feel like, man, I've had a rough, bad day. And some of you are nodding. And when you think about it, you think, man, I haven't prayed. I haven't spent any time with the Word. I haven't, whatever. And we can see those things. And the thing that I want to tell you is, is that Being in the Word, reading God's Word, reading this love letter, this encouragement, this instruction is not easy. But if we will take time on a daily basis to spend some time in it, if it's just for a few minutes and then build, we will see some pretty incredible things in our lives and learn some pretty incredible things about the Lord Maybe that we didn't know. One of the things that frustrates me is when I talk to people that say they're Christians and I ask them or we're having a conversation about God, and they start talking about God or about Jesus, and I will say something about, why do you think that or how do you know that? And they go, well, it's somewhere in the Bible. And I'm like, it's somewhere in the Bible. And they may may quote half a verse or they may you know, not be as sure when they're talking about it. I'm like, have you really read it? Have you spent any time in it? Or do you just, are you thinking that's what it says? Some of you know, you've heard this quote before, God helps those who help themselves. And there are a lot of people who think that that's in the Scripture. That's not. Anybody know where that quote is from? Any guess? Benjamin Franklin is the one who said, God helps those who help themselves. Jesus never said it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. But there are a lot of Christians who think it's in the Bible. And I'm not making fun of them. But to me, that's sad to know that that's not even in the Scriptures. That was Benjamin Franklin, who we don't even know if he really trusted Christ or not. But my point is this, is that one of the things that and we're going to get into, and I'm going to give you four points in just a second about being in God's word. And this is not to say you're not in it. You should be in it. You better get with it. That's not what I'm up here to tell you. I'm talking, if nobody else is in this room I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me, because I need this, to be mindful of this. In 2 Timothy, it tells me this, and if, if you have your Bible again, you can check it out. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Some people say, well, that was just to Timothy. Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, and Timothy was going to be a pastor, and Paul wanted to. No, this is for all of us. What God's Word is profitable for, so many things. And uh, uh, if you're anything like me, there are times I forget that. And it's not a how-to book. It's not a manual of, oh, let me see how I can fix these things. Now, I'm not saying that there's not instructions, there are, about how we're to live our lives. But somebody kind of sometimes people treat it like a just an instruction manual rather than getting into it, reading it, delighting it, delighting in it. And so Paul in writing Timothy says, hey, it's it's so profitable for so many things. And then in Hebrews 4.12, it talks about that the word of God is what? Do you know what Hebrews 4.12 says? Anybody? Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active. That's different. Stop and think about this. That's different than anything about any other book. It's living and active. Think about in John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word is living and active. And the author to Hebrews says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning in thoughts and intentions of the heart. It goes deep, it can cut sharply, it can do the surgery that we need in our lives that when we see sin, God's Word goes into operation. When we confess our sin to the Lord and when we spend time with Him and in His Word, God's Word, I don't know about you, but there are days when I'm thinking things or I'm saying things or I'm acting in a way and and literally a scripture will pop into my head. Anybody ever had that? Some of you probably say, yeah, a scripture will pop into my head, and it'll be whether it's something of trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. When I'm confused, when I'm upset, a verse like that may pop into my head. Mark, you're trusting in yourself. The Holy Spirit brings it to my mind and reminds me that the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, in this relationship that I have. He's the one that guides me, not me trusting in myself. So here's what, how many of you have ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Not Spurgeon, Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, as the rain soaks into the ground, and this is what, when I read this, I was like, I need to pray this. As the rain soaks into the ground, so pray to the Lord to let his gospel soak into your soul. So as the rain soaks into the ground, so pray to the Lord to let His gospel soak into your soul. I don't know about on your side of town yesterday, but on my side of town, it was beautiful yesterday. Blue skies, it was hot, I was outside working in my yard. And I've got a pretty big backyard that has a lot of work that needs to be done on it, and I was working on it. And um, even though we've been having a lot of rain... This one particular area, I took out my tiller, and I was out there tilling for about an hour, just trying to get the ground a little bit more where I could plant some seed and some other type of grass that I need in this area. And right after I did that, it started pouring down rain. And then it eased up, and there was like this soaking rain. You know, when it pours down rain, what happens to the, when you do something like that with the ground, what happens to the dirt? Normally what? kind of washes away, if it's pouring down. But if you get a good soaking rain, just a not too hard, not too soft, it just does something to that soil. And over a period of time, and when we spend time in God's Word, and we really, rather than rushing through it, we spend time in it, we think about it, we pray, maybe pray God's Word back to Him, we let it soak and we just sit, and it might be a few verses, and think about in our lives how that applies and asking God for wisdom to see that in our lives. As we do that, what happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit and through His Word, God softens our heart so that that Word can be at work even more and penetrate that hard heart, that sin that might be going on in our lives. So how does God transform a hard heart? He transforms it through the power of the Holy Spirit and through His Word. He uses, if you want to say, a soaking rain in transforming our hearts. So here's the thing. Four things. You can write this down real quick. I want you to think about this. kind of as an illustration, how many of you love to cook? Anybody love to cook? Okay, some of you do, some of you might be budding uh, or aspiring chefs, but how many of you love steak or pork loin or any of that? Yeah, I'm getting some, yeah, and how many of you, maybe not you, but your mom or dad, they take that steak, that piece of pork loin, whatever it might be, and do they just throw it on the grill and cook it up? What, do they do some special things with it? Might they, maybe they put it in a, some type of sauce and just let it sit. Anybody's parents do that? Marinade in it? Let it soak in there? What happens, Cole, when it's just sitting in there? What's it doing? What's the meat doing? I mean, not that it's doing but I'm just saying. What's happening to the meat? Yeah. It's getting into that meat and adding flavor. It's more than just a glaze. The longer that meat sits there in that marinade, the more that meat is absorbing, or at least more than what it normally would. And it's taking on that marinade. And so here's the thing about, I want you to think about that as far as like you would take a piece of meat and put it in the marinade. I want you to think about getting into the Word. Just as you would take a piece of meat and you know that in, in order for it to take on that marinade, it has to get in it, and it can't sit on the surface of it. it has to so the first thing is, and you have to get into the word. You have to, you can't take the scriptures and just you know, everybody says this, but put it under your pillow or carry it around with you. It's not going to. Be absorbed. You've got to get into it. You've got to, just like you guys might study for an exam. Some of you are up till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning studying for exams. And that exam is going to briefly help you meet your objective, and and that's to get an A. But it's very short-lived. But you'll study for hours. And the next thing I'm going to say is not pointing at anybody and saying, if you're not doing this, shame on you. But I want you to think about this. And I I have to say this to me. I'm the child of a king. And he's written me something. And he's given it to me. And this is for me to know more about him and to be more like him and to live like him. But I don't spend as much time. And I do spend time. But if I want to be more like Jesus, and I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands because I would assume everybody in this room, when I say, how many of you want to be like Jesus? I would assume all of us would say, yes, I do. To love like him. To serve like him. But the truth is, is that if we want to be like somebody, we have to spend time with them. And there have been people in my life that I've been around that, man, I can tell they're in this. And they're not perfect. They're not. They're far from perfect. But I can tell you they're in this because I see and I hear a lot of Christ by how they live their lives, how they love me when I don't deserve to be loved, how they serve when other people are not doing those things, how their outlook in life is so different when disastrous things are happening in their lives. How can somebody who has the world coming down all around them have peace and joy in the midst of those things? Lose a child, lose a home, lose a spouse, be themselves ill for long, and be joyful it's because of this. It's through their relationship with Christ, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's through knowing God's Word that sustains them. But getting into it, you got to get into it. Study it, love it, enjoy it. And if you say, Mark, I don't, pray that you would. Pray that you would. Because I will tell you this, I don't know how somebody can say they love Jesus and they don't love His Word, or they don't desire His Word. And I'm not saying that happens overnight. That's over a period of time. I'm not what I used to be when I was in high school, when it came to the Word of God. But as my relationship grew with the Lord, my love for God's Word grew. And so please don't walk out of here saying, well, you know, Mark said I'm not a Christian. There could be somebody here who doesn't know the Lord. And that may be why you don't desire God's word. And I have to be honest with you to say that. If you care nothing about this, if you care nothing about it, you might need to examine your life and really ask yourself, do I really know Jesus? If you care nothing about this. The second thing is get under it. you got to get in it. You've got to get under it. You've got to say and have an attitude of, This is my authority. I place myself under it. Regardless what the world says, regardless what my friends say, this is my authority. I place myself because I know Christ and I love Him. This is what He's given me. He's given me the Holy Spirit and He's given me His word to say, This is what I'm up under. My heart surrenders to the, the Lord and to His Word. You've got to get under it as you take that meat and you submerge it and you get it in there for a long time. And when you see that, as you do, again, with a piece of steak or whatever, the longer, the more it absor- uh, absorbs. And the longer we spend time with God in His Word throughout our lives, the more that His ways... Or our ways. The more that we say, not my will, but your will, Lord. When we are submitted to, are submerged into God's word. The other thing is, is that you know that with that piece of meat, as it, the longer it sits there and absorbs, it's working its way, that marinade is working its way through, it's tenderizing that meat. Well, words, God's Word, the more we're in it, the more that we say, it's my authority, it does a work in your life. It changes you. You cannot be changed apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and apart from this. You'll never change to be more like Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and apart from this. I don't care how many people you get around, And we know that people say, well, you know, when they're around this group of people, they become like them. But that's short-lived a lot of times. If you want to see lasting change, if you want to see change of my heart used to be this, but now it's this, you've got to not only get in it, submit to it, but know that it takes time. It takes time. Of spending time in, as God's Spirit and through the Word, it will transform you. And that's the last thing is getting, being transformed. Again, I've known too many people who have said, when I came to know Christ, my life was different. But it became a lot more different the more I studied God's Word and was in it, loved it, meditated on it transforming. And that's the thing I want to end with is this. If you get into it, you place yourself under the authority of it as you study it long, not just for a week, but your life. It's going to transform you. And you're going to say, man, back then, this is where I was. But now, because what happens is The Word of God is active and living, and it will change you. doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. doesn't mean that you're not going to have a desire that would be living for yourself. But here's the thing that I want to encourage you to think about, and then we're we're done. Psalm 119. And you might say, Mark, I came here for this this morning. I thought it would be something different. I've heard things about the Word of God and the importance of it. And you're not telling me anything that I don't know. So here's my question. Because I've said those things in my mind, in my heart. I've heard this. I know this. Got it down. Then why? If we know those things, and I'm speaking to me, if nobody else hears it, then why are we not different? If I know that God's word will change me, why do I I not spend time in God's word? If I know that this is his love letter. If Monica sent this letter to me back in the day, and these letters to me back in the day, and I never opened them, and then she saw me, and she said, Did you get my letter? I said, Yeah. And? Maybe there was something in there that she was trying to tell me or told me. But if I didn't open it, if I had a box full of letters and these letters have never been opened and taken out and read, would I know how much she loves me? No, I wouldn't. Those letters and the reason why I keep them, to be honest with you, and I know my wife loves me. We've been married for 20 years. Six years, coming up on 26 years. We tell each other, I love you. But you know what? I can go to these and I can also go, yeah, I remember when she says, I love you a lot. Snoopy was back in the day. He's not just, but to tell me how much she loved me. And you have this. That's much greater than this. And much greater to me than these letters from Monica. Is this. It's a letter giving you some history, telling you about God's character. And if you struggle with and about his love for you, and Jesus Christ was God's, is God's love letter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting light. The ultimate love letter. But if you're struggling With God's Word, here's what I want to encourage you to do, and it's this. In Psalm 119, you can write this down. I would encourage you to pray this, and it's just really one verse. Psalm 119, verse 18. If you pray this, I promise you, in a very short period of time, if this is a daily prayer of yours, you'll see a change in your desire. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Or another way of saying that, out of your word. Open my eyes so that I may, what? What does it say? That I may behold wondrous things. And that's one of the things I do pray Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see in your word what you have for me today. The ultimate love letter, and it's for you and it's for me. May you love it and live according to it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. You can check out other messages of this and other series at stsatlanta.org/podcast. Have a blessed day, and hope to see you soon.